Don't ever apologize for being amazing. How about that? Oh, well, thank you. Absolutely. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Jameer Smith Show. Listen, William is already in the building. Everybody, put your hands together for William Christopher. <laughs> Listen, you don't even know how we get down over here. We already start recording when you guys hit us up. This is oh, what for, this is what oh. we do. <laughs> Everybody, I had to bring on somebody that um I had done a little research about, right? And I saw that this young black guy, right, had written an amazing book, children's book. But then in addition to that, um he was a part of STEM and what we love about education on this show is that teachers, professors, um, education is definitely top of mind for all of us. And when I saw just really a little bit of your story, um, I had read some things about you on the Atlanta <coughs> Journal Constitution. Um, mm -hmm. You have a podcast that we're going to touch on. You had done some articles with Shout Out Atlanta, a huge shout out to Voyage ATL. So you got a lot going on. First and foremost, yeah. William Christopher. Yes. How has 2022 been for you so far? Because we're already in August and it's like the yeah. year is already almost done. So how has it been for you so far? You know, I was just talking to my dad about this. I, like, I've been going nonstop ever since this year started. Like I released my second children's book in January. Like my birthday was the 13th. I literally released it the next week. And I've been doing like book, I did a book release. Um, I've been doing multiple like vendor, vendor events to like sell my book and get it out of there. And then like places started reaching out to me, uh, inviting me to come and read my book or to sell my book at their venue. And I was like, this is great. Like, <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> I will definitely be there. Right. Um, so I did that. And then, um, I started in my second year of this new job that I have. So I'm a, I'm a STEAM director. So I create, I train teachers when it comes to science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Um, I write curriculum. I do a lot of public speaking um, that aligns um, STEAM integration with the acceleration of, of, of black and brown kids in school and um, how if black and brown kids are, have more access to STEAM content, that they tend to do better. Um, in college and school and in life in general. So I do a lot of public speaking. I actually, I got the chance to be a speaker at Georgia Tech, like one of their conferences, which uh -oh. has been a, yeah, it's been a dream of mine, like, cause they don't let just anybody nope. be a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm from a farm in South Georgia. I didn't think that, you know, years later I would be doing speaking events for Georgia Tech. Um, but I mean, life and happens are. like that. Yeah, and life yes. happens to people that are actually putting in the work. But I think to your point, and we're going to get into your books, we're going to get into your first book that I absolutely love, Let's Lee's Incredible Journey, and then also Lee and the Mysterious Cave. Yeah. However, let's talk about STEM really quick. You know, there were some okay. questions that people have always reached out to us. Um, you know, whenever we had, you know, people in education, people that, you know, were teachers and all of these things that if they came onto the show, these are a couple of questions that I know that they had reached out to us about. Um, and even when I did my research about you, what is one goal you hope you'll be able to accomplish in really your STEM program one year from now? 
Um, well, I'm trying to get this certain school in Smyrna STEAM certified, and I've never done that before. It's okay. like a whole process. There's like a board and a, a huge evaluation piece. But I've been working really hard for the past uh, over the over the past year to um, create STEAM at this school and train all these teachers. Actually, it's actually three schools. It's three private schools in Smyrna, um, and I've been working with the teachers. I've been working my butt off. No lie. Um, all summer when the teachers were out, I was planning, I was writing, I was flying to Denver for conferences. I was uh, presenting at a different uh, private school in Atlanta. Um, I've been working my butt off. So probably in the next year, I just hope to get that school STEAM certified to kind of have that notch under my belt that I have the capacity to come to your school, train your teachers, um, spark inspiration and get you steam certified yeah listen and you're gonna do it i think what you're doing right now in in the place where you are you're creating as far as a huge footprint and i always say that whenever people come on our show you know the jameer smith show is a place for the everyday people to tell their story creatively and when i saw just everything that you're doing i was like oh yeah absolutely we need him on the show um Thank you. No, absolutely. No, we thank you for all of the service that you're even just doing for yourself, for people that can follow behind you. And I think that's super, super dope. Um, You know, what expectations currently you think exist for teacher collaborations kind of across subjects and grades? I think right now we're still experiencing a lot of exhaustion from teachers because they've been through so much in this pandemic. Uh, And the pandemic is not over. It's... um, you know, so teachers have to worry about keeping themselves healthy, keeping their kids healthy, teaching what they plan <laughs> and need to teach. Um, and sometimes when you bring something like STEAM, STEM, when you bring it to them, sometimes it can feel like, oh, one extra thing that I need to do in my classroom, yeah. right? Uh, not only do they have to manage their class and make sure that they teach their standards, but now I have to teach STEAM as well. Um, so my goal is to, to let teachers know that steam can not only make teaching easier but it can be fun right yeah like it can transform their entire way of teaching and sometimes like i've done professional developments for the last two weeks and i tell them this is your opportunity to take a step back Mm. (laughs) like you don't have to teach in these in these periods where you're doing steam sometimes you can step into the facilitator role and how that looks is presenting your class with a problem and materials and stepping back and letting them innovate, letting them tinker, letting them make. And you just step back. And if they have any questions or if they need any assistance, at that point, they ask you. And that, that at that point, you stepping in. But until that, you let them let them lead their own projects. Let them let, let them lead and you facilitate. You don't have to teach right now. And you don't have to know everything when it comes to STEAM. It's fine. And I always tell them, I'm a whole STEAM director and I don't know everything. Like I'm not the best coder. Like I can build a website from scratch, but when it comes to like coding apps and stuff, I don't, I don't really know that. <laughs> you, you like, know? listen, I'm still learning like the rest of y'all. Exactly. Right. And so I tell them like, sometimes you don't have to be the content area expert to introduce something to your class, introduce it and, and see where it takes off. What is your philosophy on steam education? Oh, that's a that's a very good question. I don't I don't know if I have one, or maybe I have one and I don't know. Let's let's figure it out. What, mm. What's my philosophy? Um, my philosophy <laughs> for STEAM education. Um, hmm. 
That's a very, very good question. We can listen. We can always come back to it because I always like Let's to ask those questions. Yeah, I always like to ask yeah. those questions to really make people think about, you know, how do you think outside of yourself and what are some of your visions and ideals and philosophies when it comes to, you know, the practices that you were involved in? Um, mm-hmm. When you think about the specific uh, STEAM skills, you know, what do you possess? I think I possess vulnerability. Like, I have no problem walking into any space and letting people know what I don't know and what I do know. Like, I'm very honest and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be real. Mm-hmm. And that's how I win so many people over when I come into different spaces um, because they're not used to that, especially when, it, like, if they have a speaker or somebody come in from outside, you know, they have a presentation ready, right? They're going to tell them all the right things. I'm going to tell you the right things too. And I'm going to give you statistics and research, but I'm going to tell you where I've messed up. I'm going to tell you the things that I've broken. I'm going to tell you about experiments that have went wrong. I'm going to tell you what I tried to build and couldn't build. You know, I'm going to tell you the entire process, tell them the truth. And in this day and time, People are not used to hearing the truth, right? And so yeah. when they do, it's so refreshing. And I think that's what I possess that's different from, from most people and most professions, honestly. You know, it's interesting that you talked about, you know, truth. And, you know, I feel like we live in such a broken society right now. And I don't even have that type yeah. of show to talk about everything that's going on. And I was just looking at some things on social media earlier just about how upside down we are right now as a society but it's all about the community and i think that we have to make sure that we are educating and and speaking as much truth as possible you know how will you include parents and the community members in your steam program yeah i think um and this is what a lot of people don't realize um they think that education or learning stops when kids leave school right it's like oh you go to school to learn and when you come home then you can do what you want I don't believe that. I feel like true learning, especially STEAM learning, has to have that parent and community component, right? That's the only way learning is going to continue and it's going to really permeate in a child. It's really going to be sustainable. Uh, So I always try to create events or plan events where parents can come to the schools or, or maybe even I send home lessons or fun activities for parents to, um, to be included in um one thing that i did at my i worked for the ymca of metro atlanta a couple years ago um for a few years and uh, a lot of times we were serving underserved communities right so many of the parents were younger than me and they were just trying to figure out how am i going to take care of this three or four year old like you know like we're receiving free education but i want the best for my child mm-hmm. um so not only would i hold workshops to kind of show them how to continue that learning at home between them and the child but also creating spaces where they can expand their learning yeah. like maybe they still had dreams to go to college maybe they still had dreams to pr- pursue um a skill or something i want to invest in them too because if you invest in the family they all win absolutely and i think that's where we, a lot of people lose it i mean to your point I think a lot of people feel like once the children, once we leave the classroom, then it's over. It's like I don't need to do any additional uh, research and I don't need to do any additional feedback. I don't need to do any additional, you know, education and knowledge whenever I'm home. And what I loved about what you just said is that, honestly, it's about how do you continue to teach the parents? Because Uh they may not have had the exact same opportunity as they're giving their children. 
And why right. not at least try and provide them, you know, access, especially if you know that you have the access and the knowledge behind it. Um, right. As you are designing, because you're, you really are in this process of greatness. And as you're designing the ultimate steam space, what are the um, three must have items that you would need? Um, so I'm a bit of a techie. So I think some form of technology, especially when I create steam spaces um, inside of the classrooms, mm -hmm. I love iPads. I think a lot of people kind of have like leaned away from iPads these past couple of years because, you know, you can do a lot on your cell phone, but kids don't really need to have their cell phone. That's cool. You know, uh, <laughs> that's just my philosophy. So iPads are really great because there's so many different apps that you can download that are um, like they can code on the apps. There's different like drawing and art platforms on apps but also you can go to like browser-based uh, applications as well there's so much you can do with your ipads um and i push like students like taking pictures and making videos like stuff that they're gonna do when they get on instagram or facebook anyway like why don't you do that and put an educational spin on it you know mm. and that's how you kind of fool them into uh learning when they think that they're, well, they're going to have fun, but when they think that they're playing or think that they're just doing something willy-nilly, but there, there's actually like an educational piece to it. So yeah. I always say like, like iPads are great. Um, I am a big drone person because drones, like, you know, the military uses drones, like uh, the USGS uses drones. Like we, we are moving towards like, you know, uh, a drone or a robotic society, right? We just, that's just where things are going. So I like to introduce different forms of drones. Um, I have this connection with a school in China, actually, where this educator created drones that are built like Legos, right? So the kids can make their own Lego design of a drone and wow. then attach propellers to them. So it's like you teach them like, okay, what kind of design is going to work best? Like, what do you need? Like, how are you going to make it land properly? Um, so mm -hmm. drones, iPads, and um, yeah, like tech is really big, but also um, tools. People don't think how uh, important it is to teach our kids how to use hammers and screwdrivers. Like, that's a big thing. Um, I remember growing up, this is my last point. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, you're totally fine. I, I grew up in a, a pretty old house, right? It was my grandmother's house. And there was always something breaking or broken, um, especially like doorknobs. Like doorknobs would always come loose, be unscrewed. And I kind of just, I saw them, you know, you would just wait for like an uncle or somebody to fix them, right? But what if in, at three or four or five years old, you're teaching a child how to properly use a screwdriver. So when they see a loose doorknob, they're not being like, they're not going to say to themselves, oh, somebody else is going to fix it or, oh, it can just remain broken. They're like, ooh, I, I know what a screwdriver is. Mm -hmm. I can do it myself. Yeah. And that sounds so small, but just imagine the autonomy or the capacity that you're building within that child to kind of shape their own future. Like, oh, I don't have to wait on anybody else. I could change it. I could put in the work because I know how. Like that changes the entire trajectory of their life. You know what William is doing right now? He's giving me a Beyonce transition right now. As he already <laughs> knew <laughs> where my next set of questions were coming from. I mean, the transition was just so effortless. I mean, I know. then it's that's it's for everybody it's that listened to the last album. Shout out to Beyonce. Um, you, you talked a lot about children. And mm -hmm. a huge shout out to you because I think 
We need more focus on how we can teach children at a young age to be successful, to utilize the small tools and little nuggets to be successful. And you created two big nuggets. And I want to talk about one, The Adventures of Old Swifton Road. And it is a saga of steam. And that is science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. And it's based children's books that depict fun and inspiring stories through the eyes of black and brown American children from various socioeconomic upbringings. When you were in this place of saying, you know what, talking to yourself, William, I want to write a book. I want to write a book. Or I want to create a book. Or I want to create a space for young kids to see themselves in these books. What were you thinking? Well, I was um, I was working in um, a bunch of Head Start centers and creating STEAM for uh, traditionally under underserved communities, and I was aligning curriculum to storybooks because you know you do a lot of reading in those early years. And all the storybooks that I was seeing, they all had white kids in them. And I was like, I'm teaching a bunch of black and brown kids about STEAM and engineering, but the only thing that I could bring to them is white kids doing it mm. and white males doing it. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> um, so I just went to the drawing board and started writing a story. And um, The Adventures of Old Swift and Road, of course, uh, I was... I was raised on Old Swifton Road, um, and there's, like, a lot of history behind Old Swifton Road. Like, it used to be a town, and it's, now it's not. It's, like, a whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Lee is actually based on my grandmother. Um, I was raised by my grandmother, and she was such an amazing woman. She um, she ran a cattle business, so, like, they bought and sold cows back in the day, um, and, like, she that's how she took care of me. Like, if I needed school clothes or if she needed to pay a bill for me, she would go sell a cow. So I wow. saw this black woman, you know, like her husband had died way before I was born. I saw this black woman running a whole business, running a house, doing everything herself. And to not see that on, you know, in books or not see that on television, I'm like, no, there's black women that do work. There's black women in these in these fields, mm -hmm. in STEAM fields. Like, why, why doesn't our content uh, in schools reflect that? Um, and I just went to the drawing board and... I've always been a person for like poetry and rap and like I used to love writing different rhymes and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to write a book about steam and going to make it rhyme. <laughs> and that's, that's what I did. I, I wrote it and then I sent it to um, one of my best friends that is, uh, he just graduated um, from law school in New York. And he like for free, like reviewed the book for me, like proofread it. And like, I'm so grateful for what he's done for me. And uh, and I just went from there. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I did the same for my second book. Wow. I mean, honestly, just to read the books and I had an opportunity to actually purchase the second one. I mean, pictures. Well, thank you. No, well, absolutely. And pictures alone, I have to say, are, are amazing because I think we hear this story so many times is that there's so many black and brown kids that never, ever see themselves, whether it's with the dolls that they play with, the books that they read, how they're coloring and they may not have those right colors that actually reflect their own skin tone. And I think right. you did an impeccable job from the cover, from seeing this beautiful black girl and this this fantastic, innovative young black boy, you know, and mm -hmm. them creating this this journey 
that is needed to have been told. So congratulations for that. And I think you have so many incredible journeys to, to tell. Um, no pun in, intended, but I think, <laughs> you know, I, I think you're doing what needs to have been done. And I think that's it's a huge shout out to you with that. Um, Thank you. Of course. No. And it's, it's like after you write these books and after you create these STEM you know, projects and, and opportunities for people. It's like, gosh, he's not even done. No. Envirobro. Envirobro. <laughs> people are like, what yeah. are you talking about, Jameer? Envirobro, it builds small to medium scale garden beds, raised gardens, and living walls for vertical farming and urban slash suburban gardening that pushes the boundaries of sustainable organic vegetable, flower, and herb agriculture i'm yeah. stuttering right now because i'm like yo this guy is doing everything where did this even come from <laughs> well i i told you i grew up on a farm right so i i learned a lot uh against my will about <laughs> growing uh vegetables right um but when i, I moved to the city uh Atlanta and going in these communities, especially communities of, of need and seeing like a lot of kids have never had fresh organic vegetables. A lot of kids live in what we call food deserts, right? Mm -hmm. And there are areas of the city where it's miles and miles away from the nearest market. And they have to, like, the closest thing is usually like a family dollar. And you're not going to find any fresh vegetables in family dollar, right. you know? You're not going to find them in Dollar General. So that that causes so many problems in those communities. Um, this, like they're not getting the vitamins that they need. They're not getting the same nutrition in their food as their counterparts that live in served air areas or uh, affluent areas. So um, what I started doing for schools and um, I ended up expanding and doing it for friends and people that were reaching out to me. Um, I started creating urban gardens and raised garden beds um, and showing and creating methods for people to grow their own produce. Uh, and this was a really big thing when the pandemic first started because people were at home, right? Yeah. And a lot of people were afraid to go into grocery stores and there was a lot of there was a lot of scarcity and a fear amongst like like we didn't know what direction this pandemic was really going to go in. Like what if we can't get access to fruits and vegetables where there's a shortage like there was for tissue paper um and i just work with a lot of people to show them how to grow their own um and i was staying at this apartment in buckhead and literally that it was 2020 my whole balcony was full of produce that year like i, <laughs> I literally had cucumbers and tomatoes and basil and collard greens because i'm country um <laughs> strawberry like everything and i was like i couldn't eat it all so i was like giving them away to cousins giving away to people i was growing like mints and um i had got real real earthy and like kind of spiritual so i was growing like sage and bagging it and giving it to people and i was like we we have to empower our, our community we have to empower our kids to know how to take care of themselves mm -hmm. and learn how to give themselves like nutrients uh, and the importance importance of it and it's kind of soothing like the growing process right like you're taking care of something and you're seeing the the fruits of your labor like literally you're seeing the fruits of your labor um uh it, it was just an amazing thing so it just came naturally for me to create a company that 
that would would do that. You know, it's so interesting. And, and I stuttered earlier about agriculture because to think about all of the things that you have accomplished and are accomplishing is is outstanding because you look at young black men and you have really become a mentor for young men to look at you and your story and your footprint that you are putting into this world. And I have to say, keep doing what you're doing. And I'm not even done. Let's talk about ball is life. Can we talk about this black man on the soccer field doing his thing, y'all? So not only is he out here teaching the kids on how to eat well, he's building the gardens so we can eat well. And then he's writing the book so we can read about how we eat well. And then he's turning around and working out on the soccer field, doing his thing. Talk about you being a soccer player. Really? Really? Well, I've been, it's crazy because I come from a soccer playing family. And I'm not the best soccer player in my family. Um, I have girl cousins that could smoke me on a field. Um, <laughs> my cousin Tony, like he's he's I don't know. I was gonna say he's faster than me, but I'm not gonna get from that. We're we're equally as fast. Just in case he's gonna listen to this, we're equally as fast. But when we get together as a family, like we have whole family soccer matches. So um, you know, soccer in Atlanta is primarily like. Like people that are like black and southern don't typically play soccer, but I'm trying to change that as well. So um, I joined a big league that you know where I'm the minority is mostly white and Hispanic, um, and I've been encouraging black people to join the league, uh, and especially black people that are LGBTQ um, that want to do something that's fit and that's gonna you know something that's gonna positively occupy their free time. Um, and I've been working on that. I'm on their board. I've been planning events. Um, we're about to plan this huge crowd event where like different LGBTQ sports teams in Atlanta are going to come together and just support each other. Um, but yeah, I, pl- I play soccer on typically on Mondays, sometimes on the weekends. And then I coach soccer for little kids on Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, the man said he's busy, y'all. Listen, we're going to get into a question really quick. This is coming from Patricia, and she's out of Houston. And her question is, William, are teachers supported when seeking outside funding or grant opportunities? Um, I would say yes, if you make the right connections. There's so many different so much funds out there that's available for STEAM education because STEAM education is is really, really pivotal pivotal right now. And if you make those connections, if you like if you if you search for it, um, there's money out there for for you, Um, especially there's been a lot of um, corporations that will give money, especially to schools and nonprofits, if they know that your purpose is continuing STEAM education Um, and to Furthermore to that, if you're doing STEAM education for underprivileged communities and minority kids, there there's more money for you out there. Um, mm. I've worked with multiple grants um, from the Arthur Blank Foundation uh, in Atlanta that mostly the, the money that they give out, they give out hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, most of that money is for STEAM education. I worked, I worked with a $2.5 million grant that they awarded us in um, 2017. Um, and I'm finishing up a 
a half a million dollar grant right now um, from the Arthur Blank Foundation and the Guazetta Foundation in Atlanta. So there's there's funds out there. You just have to be be vigilant and, and make those connections to 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 get them. So on our show, and I don't know if you've listened to some of our most recent episodes, we transition our show to become more of a therapy moment. And this is when I think sometimes it gets a little real because it kind of removes you outside of yourself from what you do and what you're passionate about into just a little bit of who you are. Because again, we see all of the great things that you do, but I think sometimes do the people really spend time asking William, mm -hmm. who is the person in your life you can always count on? Oh, I'm a big family person. Like I live and sleep and dream like my family. My family is so supportive uh, on my mom and dad's side. They love me to death and I love them. But uh, my cousins, um, we're like a little crew and you would think that we're siblings because um, <laughs> we call each other every other day. We're with each other. Um, people ask me like, well, why don't you hang out? Like, we, I never see you out. And I was like, because if I have free time, I'm going to be with my family. Like, I'm going to go somewhere with them. We we actually took a big family vacation earlier this year. We've never been on a, a big vacation. We took a family cruise and we went to Turks and Caicos and Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. Uh, and we just enjoyed ourselves so much. And it's like, we can all be ourselves and nobody's judging anybody. And we're so supportive. Uh, they're, they're just the best thing. Hmm. What makes you the best version of yourself, William? Best version? I would say if I'm, if I'm full. Like, if I'm hungry, I am not the best person. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, what, what makes me the best makes me the best version of myself is um when i'm like self-aware like i'm always thinking about my tone when i talk to people um i've been practicing empathy for probably the past couple years because that's something that i struggle with um i had to be like defensive growing up because i mean i was like a young black gay boy and i used to get picked on a lot so like that doesn't leave you when you grow up you grow up into an adult that's defensive um and that wasn't that wasn't productive for me. And I was seeing it in my relationships. I was seeing it at my job. And I was like, no, I got to break this. Um, and I did. I did the work. I went to therapy. And um, one of my cousins, uh, Tony, he actually helped me. He's like one of the most empathetic person people that I know. Um, and when I'm dealing with anybody now, I always think about different perspectives. I always think about, okay, this is just how I'm viewing this situation. They have a life. They've been through stuff. They like This is a whole person that has a life that I don't even know about. So let me show kindness. Uh, and that's, that's how I walk every single day. When you think about your life, what is something that you're afraid to lose? Um... Um, when I think about my life, what is something that I'm afraid to lose? Um, okay. I don't, I don't know if this is directly answering that question, but, um, my, my mom passed away eight years ago, um, from cancer and she always had so much, like so much pride in me. Like she was always proud of me and she always thought really highly of me. And, um, she supported everything that I had going on. Like she was literally amazed by everything I was, I, I was doing even, even, back then um and uh, she went through so much and i i have to 
live up to her expectations. Like I live every day to make her proud and know that her struggle was worth it. Cause she wasn't even supposed to have me. Like she was sick before I was, I was born. Um, and the baby that she was pregnant with before me passed away. Like I wasn't even supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, so she gave up so much for me to have the life and do the things that I, that I do now. And I have to make her proud. When you think about your mom and all of the, the struggle she went through, what is one of the best advice pieces that she's giving you? Um, Hmm. One thing she used to always say, she used to say this to me every day before I left from school. She would say, be a leader, not a follower. Be a leader, not a follower. And I'll be like, okay, like, what is that? What does that even mean? <laughs> right? Like, like, girl, like, what are you talking about? Um, but it's, it's, it's rang true in my life. Cause there's so many times where I had to do the right thing, mm-hmm. even the, even if it meant me being by myself, even if it meant nobody else had my back, but me, um, and that's that's what comes along with being a leader is you not following the crowd you're not going to get a gucci belt just because everybody else is wearing a gucci belt maybe that's putting that extra money in your savings or and or giving donating that to somebody or a group in need um me thinking of my own and not afraid to be on my own a lot of people are afraid to be on their own and i'm not and that's not something that's easy right um and I've, I've had to learn. I've had to learn to be okay with me and to love every part of me, the good, bad, the ugly. Um, and that, that comes along with being a leader. So, William, once everything is said and done, you have accomplished everything that you have set your heart and your mind and your spirit out. You've written the books and you've spoken at all of the universities and events and people have just, you know, mirrored their lives after you. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I want people to remember me and remember me being funny and putting a smile on their face and making a difference in their life, to be honest. I want nothing but good memories and them to share stories of their encounters with me. That's what I, that's what I remember. That's what I want them to remember about me because um, honestly, that's what people tell me about my mom. Like my mom was so, like, the happiest person that you will ever meet. She was a fun girl. Um, she was a little too fun for me. Like I was, the, <laughs> sometimes I was like, oh, come on, uh-uh, we ain't doing that. We got to rain it back. But she was that person. She would always have your back. She was loyal. Um, and she always would put a smile on people's face. Like she would be sick as a dog and she would still put a f- smile on her face just so people wouldn't know that she was feeling bad. And I kind of live by that. Like I won't, when I leave, leave this earth, I want people to remember that. I won't, people to remember the smile that I put on their face and the difference that I made in their lives. You definitely put a huge smile on all of our faces and we appreciate you. Thank you. We've appreciated your service. We've appreciated your tenacity. But I think the biggest thing I have to say, I appreciate you for really, and I've said it earlier in the show, of putting your footprints in the sand for other people to follow because you are really headlining your own event. And I appreciate that. And we appreciate that. As we wrap our show, are any last words you would like to give any of your new listeners, any of our listeners that are so excited to now follow you on Instagram? Any last, any last words? Um, 
support my books <laughs> go out and um purchase uh the adventures of old swifton road especially my newest book uh lee in the mysterious cave uh, i'm so excited about this book um i, I can't stop talking about it of, of course it's, it's two black kids doing steam and interested in, in steam but they go on this adventure and there's like a, a historical twist to it with, with, which i love <laughs> um and i'm not gonna give all the deets away but um there's there's so many nuances in this book, and uh, I'm so proud of it. Um, and so, yeah, support and share. Buy it for a kid that you know. Buy it for yourself. <laughs> that part, exactly. No, everybody, William Christopher, thank you so much for thank just you. being you. Again, everyone, make sure you're supporting him. Follow his Instagram at E-N-V-I-R-O-B-R-O. And again, let me tell you something. Not only is this man super busy, Check out the books. Check out his first one, Lee's Incredible Journeys. Check out his second one, I mean, Lee and the Mysterious Cave. Check out all of the articles that he is a part of. And not only the articles, this man is on a whole podcast as well. How he <laughs> figures out to make the time, I have no idea. But we appreciate him for making the time for our show today. And again, as we always say at the end of our show, everyone, stay positive, but... Stay creative. Until next time, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you.